It's a self-help mantra. It's an insta-quote favorite. And a lot of people are trying to sell you programs to help you find your voice. But where did it go? Did it need a passport to get there, or was it a dual citizen? Or were you just born in separate states, and like twins who were born and separated at birth, you've been trying to find each other ever since that moment? Honestly, it's all a bunch of bullshit. And it'll just keep you in this cycle of seeking out people and answers and someone to help you find something that you had inside of you the entire time. Here's the truth. You never lost your voice. You just haven't developed it in a way that matches up to what's in your heart and head. You haven't found a way to say what's in your body. On this episode of the Wine and Wisdom Wednesday, which is the single episodes of the Mic Drop Moment that I do by myself, and I just kind of share things that I've learned or seen or someone's taught me, and I also pair them with wine, and we'll get to that in a minute. But this episode is all about developing your voice and why it's the best gift you can give yourself, and honestly, it's the best gift you can give the rest of us either. If you have the dream of being on stage, of writing a book, of even having a blog anyone wants to listen to or a podcast, the goal for you should not be on finding your voice because you never lost it. It should be about developing your voice. And I'm also pairing this episode with a great Pinot Noir from Oregon called Resonance. See what I did there? Voice Resonance. We're going to get into it all. So you have a story to tell, and you wonder, how can you own the stage, give that killer speech, and captivate the audience? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Mic Drop Moment, where I bring you bold conversations with public speaking powerhouses, expert advice from personal development leaders, and many public speaking and storytelling masterclasses to give you real-life valuable takeaways to craft a speech, a story, a business, and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your mic drop moment. Let's get started. I remember in my early 20s, I was uh, in Chicago. I was working in a restaurant company, or maybe I was a flight attendant, actually. I was a flight attendant, and then I worked to work for a restaurant company. Anyway, it doesn't really matter what I was doing, but I was trying everything I could to make it as an actor and a performer. I was uh, training and performing and studying at all the improv schools in Chicago and also actively trying to sing and make myself someone people would know. And so I remember I saved all of my money up. I had saved, I didn't make a lot of money, but I had saved what I could to buy some time in a studio. And I went in to record a song and I think I was I don't even think I was 21 yet. I think I was 20 years old. And so I'm living, by the way, when I was 20 years old, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with three girls, and we were all, this is when I was a flight attendant. It's coming back to me now. I feel like a Celine Dion song is coming on. I can't say it because I don't have the money to buy the rights, but you know what I'm talking about. So I was in my early 20s, and I was... I wanted to record. So I saved some money. I saved what I could. I bought some time in a studio and I went in and I recorded a song. I I guess it was probably like my failed attempt to find the rest of my boy band that I was meant to be in. And so we went in, I recorded it. It was like all of my pennies. I had saved up all of my coins, everything I could. We recorded it and I got the, I got to listen to it and I thought, oh my gosh, they really messed up. They really screwed up the audio here because that is not what I sound like. 
I was really upset because I also had spent all of this money. It was this voice coming out was this higher pitched kind of whiny version of Mike Ganino. And I thought, nobody is going to want to listen to that. In my head, my voice was resonant and bassy. And so I was super mad that I had just spent all this time and money and effort to do that. And I definitely didn't have the time or money to do that. I guess I had unlimited amount of effort, but I didn't have the time or money. And I thought, wow, this is awful. And then I learned, we re-recorded and it was much better. I didn't end up on the boy band, but I didn't end up auditioning for American Idol and Popstar. I didn't end up actually doing any of those things. What a failed attempt this was. I should have learned. Anyway, back then there was no podcast, so I couldn't just make my own voice heard in the world like this. But what I learned by working with a voice coach who was part of the studio was that we actually don't hear our voice the same way that other people do. Meaning, when we speak like I am now, I'm speaking and I'm hearing it in my ears, which is actually not really coming through my ears. It's from like inside of my head. So I'm getting both the sound that's coming out of my mouth and back into my ears, which is the one that you would normally hear on a recording of yourself. That's the voice you would hear. But here's the part that messes us up. We also have all of the stuff inside of our head. So all of our vocals are kind of bouncing around inside of our head and they're vibrating off of our bony little skull. And then that's vibrating inside of our ear and it makes us all sound a little bit like Barry White. We, we get deeper and nicer and it's all bouncing in there. And so when we record ourselves, we actually are much higher pitched and our voices are not as resonant and as bassy as we think they are in our head. And so we don't like the recording. It's probably for you if you've been forced by me. (laughs) When I work with clients, I make them watch videos of themselves when they want to become a better storyteller or public speaker. You got to listen to it. When you go on podcasts, you need to listen to it. It's If you want other people to listen to you, then you need to listen to yourself. It's a good way to kind of learn what works and what doesn't. And it's also a good way to start to listen to how does your voice actually sound? Because it doesn't sound the same way to everyone else as it does inside of your head. Now, I realize that's actually the same thing that's going on with so many people who are out there trying to find their voice. You didn't lose your voice. Well, I mean... If you lost your voice, then like, here's a prescription for vocal rest and some lozenges or something. I don't know. Call my friend Darcy Webb. She can help you figure out how do you build a stronger voice. But outside of actually losing your voice physically, you didn't lose your voice. You don't need to find your voice in order to have a message that's worth people hearing or to actually sound like yourself. The problem isn't that it went anywhere. The problem is that we haven't developed it. It's the same thing, whether we're talking about speaking or marketing or social media, writing a book, it's all kind of boring if you haven't developed your voice and you didn't need to find it. You didn't need to go through whatever you need to go through to find it. You don't need to pay someone to do that. It's we need to do the work to develop it. So just like the same way that our voice in our head sounds so much different than the voice other people hear, the same thing happens with our message, with the words we actually say, with the energy we're putting behind it. We have to think about how to develop it because that's really what makes anything worth listening to. And when you think about it, some of the most profound and interesting people we hear from, they're not necessarily people who have these super original ideas that no one's ever heard of. I mean, that's not even happening in the film industry. What's happening is that they have an interesting perspective, that they have a unique way of looking at things, that they saw the same things that you and I saw, 
And somehow what they interpreted it as is so different and unique and resonant that it stands out. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about developing your voice. You don't need to go find it. It's in there. What you need to do is figure out what is it trying to say? What really feels good for you? When you're at your best, when you're at your most resonant, when you inside of your head say, yes, 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 what are you talking about? What are you thinking about? That's your voice. That's your real voice. And the only way we develop it is not by going on a mission or finding a shaman who's going to take us up to the hills and help us find the voice we've been missing. The way we do it is by working. We got to do the work. We got to ask questions. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about here on this episode of the Mic Drop Moment. Like what you're hearing on this episode of the Mic Drop Moment? Well, hit subscribe and don't miss any of the rest of them either. So our goal in this is to be resonant. It's to have it all kind of be heard and seen, to have audiences or listeners take us and run with us, to have people buy our books and then share our message. But what does resonance mean anyway? I was curious. So I looked it up on Wikipedia, and here's what Wikipedia had to say. In physics, resonance describes the phenomena of amplification that occurs when the frequency of a periodically applied force is in harmonic proportion to a natural frequency of the system on which it acts. Uh-huh. <laughs> there were so many words in there with so many syllables that I got a little lost. But I think that basically what resonance means for us, for authors, speakers, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and people who want to share a message and have that vibrate with other people, I think resonance is about, well, I guess it is about amplification. And whether that's a phenomenon or not, I don't know. But it's about amplification. It's about saying something and having other people hear it. It's about saying something and people feeling it resonate with them. It's so interesting. There's so many ideas around going viral and being heard and being seen. I heard J.P. Sears, who's a hilarious person on the internet. You should definitely check out J.P. Sears. But I heard J.P. Sears talk about going viral. And he was talking about that things go viral when people see themselves in it. And I think that's so true in so many ways. When, when I teach storytelling, I always think that when you're talking about a story about you, if the audience can't see themselves in it, then it doesn't work. It's why we all love underdog stories, because we think, oh, I'm the underdog of my own life. I mean, even the folks who are like on Shark Tank making bank, <laughs> that rhymed. That's for my poetry friends out there. Thanks, poetry listeners. I don't know if I have any poetry listeners, but if I do, that was for you. So even the folks on Shark Tank who are making bank think that they are underdogs, that they like achieve something. We all do. And so underdog stories resonate with us. It's why we love drawn to them. We love characters who are flawed and have to work through things because we are flawed and we have to work through things. And it's even more awesome if that person goes through something and then it works out for them. And we think oh, maybe all the stuff I'm going through has reason. So I agree with J.P. Sears that the whole idea of going viral is really about making sure your message is resonant with people who are listening. It's about applying it and making sure people hear. It's why sometimes stories that used to work don't work anymore because the audience, the world, it's shifted. And what we need now is a new message in order for it to be resonant. And none of this is possible if you don't actually develop your voice. You're not going to stumble upon a resonant voice hanging out there in the field waiting for an owner. It's not just sitting there at a bus stop saying, will you be my owner? Will you be my vessel? No, we have to develop those voices ourselves. That's where resonance comes from. And speaking of resonance, 
resonance is what I'm talking about with this episode of Wine and Wisdom Wednesday. This week, I'm trying a wine from the Willamette Valley in Oregon, and the wine is called Resonance Pinot Noir. Cheers, you little mic droppers. (laughs) Tonight I'm drinking a wine called the Resonance Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. It's a 2017, and on wine.com it'll set you back about 38 bucks. I'm a big fan of Pinot Noir from Oregon. It has all of that awesome volcanic soil wine thing that I love. Uh, Oregon wines are largely made in volcanic soil. And there's a couple other places in the world that do this as well. More than a couple, like a lot. But it's uh, it adds this whole other different note to it. So anyway, if you like Pinot Noir and you've had a lot of Pinot Noir from California, then maybe venture out and try some from Oregon. I think that Oregon Pinots are right in line with Burgundy. Burgundy is the region of France where Pinot Noir is really from. It's where the best Pinots and kind of like why we all drink Pinot uh, came from the Burgundy region of France. It's the it's the red wine they grow there. And then, then the white, if you have a white Burgundy, is Chardonnay. But I think that the Pinot Noir from Oregon is really giving some of the cool Pinot Noirs from Burgundy a run for their money. Now, this one that I have today, the Resonance from Willamette Valley, it's, uh, like I said, 38 bucks at wine.com. It's really bright ruby colored, so it's got this like very fresh look to it. Sometimes when you look at a glass of wine, you could kind of tell what's going to happen or what's been going on with it by the color. If you have a red wine and you tilt it a little bit, you look over maybe a white piece of paper like the menu at the restaurant or, you know, the tablecloth if it's white. If you look at that, you could see, is it is it like a youthful bright red? Is it a deeper purple? Or are the edges kind of turning brown? Those all give you notes about what to expect in the glass. If you see brown edges, then that might give you a sign that it's been aged a little bit, or it might be a bigger wine. Now, this one is full of red berry fruit. So think strawberries and raspberries and things like that. It's got this great acidity as well. So this acidity is making it like a really great wine to have with food. So I'm thinking... I want to have this with some mushroom, maybe even a mushroom pizza. That'd be kind of cool with a white sauce. But the acidity kind of dances across your tongue. It's what I love about wine. I actually have this idea for a whole book about wine that's based on acid and texture, but that's for another day. This one is also from a uh, winemaker called Maison Louis Gédot. My husband, who (laughs) speaks French at like a very high level, is going to be so impressed that I just did that. Yay, babe. I said a French word. So Maison Louis Gédot is a French winemaker from Burgundy. They have been in Burgundy, France since like 1859 making wine. And this is their first wine project outside of Burgundy. And they've come to Oregon because that's where great Pinot Noir makers are going these days. Anyway, just like a lot of Pinots from Willamette Valley, this one is expressive and elegant. It's got kind of some earthy notes. So if you like a little a little a little grit in your wine, a little a little toothiness to it, this is gonna serve that. But it's also elegant and has enough finesse and red fruit that even people who are just kind of getting into wine are gonna love it. My friend Clodavita, Clodavita, if you're listening, you're gonna love this Pinot Noir. And I think the rest of you will too. Anyway, this Pinot Noir really resonated with me. <laughs> Remember, the wine's called Resonance. Anyway, it's fine. Back to talking about developing your voice. 
So why is developing your voice so important? Well, I think one of the big reasons is it allows you to stand out. There are so many voices out there. I mean, literally so many voices. I think there's like a million podcasts or something, and there's millions of public speakers. I mean, you could go to TED x.com or ted.com and look up all of the people who've been speakers there. You can go to LinkedIn and type in keynote speaker or even type in TEDx speaker and you'll find that there are just so many people out there. And the only way that you're going to stand out is by developing your voice, by really figuring out what is it that you have inside of you that you want to resonate out. Just like me back as a 20-year-old singing in a studio and hearing my high-pitched voice play back to me and realizing that's not how I wanted to sound. This is actually something all singers go through, by the way. This is not like unique to me. Everyone does it and then they learn how to monitor themselves and change their breathing to make it sound the way they want. And that's exactly what, what you need to do is... Develop your voice so that you can stand out from the crowd. There are so many people. You look at people like Simon Sinek or Brene Brown, and the reason they stand out is not because they had the most original ideas in the world, not to take anything away from their ideas. They're great ideas, but it's that their voice was resonant, that they had developed their voice so that when they specifically delivered the message, they stood out. One of the other reasons that developing your voice is so important is that it allows you to be specific. One of the challenges I find so often when I work with someone on a keynote they're developing or even just some brand messaging they want clarity on is that they have trouble being specific. They'll tell a story in a world of vague ideas and vague characters. They'll talk about things that happened as if what happened is the interesting thing versus what they made that into? What did you take that? I I always say this to people, that our story is not our history, that what happened to us is not our story. It's different. Our story is what we made it mean. Our story is the developing our voice part. It's the thing that allows you to be specific. When someone's on stage and they talk about a specific moment in a specific car, it resonates to us. When they talk about a specific concert, maybe we didn't go see Bruce Springsteen in the summer of 1992, But we saw someone that felt that same way to us, that specificity. This last week, I just went and saw Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. It's a new Broadway show that is based on the Jagged Little Pill uh, album from 1995 that went on to sell 33 million records. One of the reasons that that album stood out is because it was specific. We don't know who she was talking about, and you ought to know. But we had our own person because her words were so specific, we could match that frequency. One of the other things that we can do when we develop our voice is that we become original. Our ideas actually sound fresh and exciting. I've had so many people, as the producer of TEDx Cambridge, where a lot of people want to come and give their speech, I've had so many people who come and say, my speech is about how we need purpose in our life. It just doesn't sound original. It doesn't sound new. And honestly, it doesn't sound like you've developed your voice because that message is somewhat generic. What we want to hear is your specific voice in there. So developing your voice allows you to be original. It also allows you to be interesting because we can listen to what you have to say and say, ah, I never had that take on it. That's why we love the music of people like Taylor Swift. It's why we read books by people that write interesting and new things. It's that specificity That originality makes it all interesting because we think, 
I've not heard this before. Or I've not heard this before in this way. That's what developing your voice does. It makes you follow worthy as well. We don't want to miss a single thing you say. We want to read every email, see every Instagram post, and watch every speech because we are hanging on every one of your original, interesting, specific words. And that only happens when you develop your voice. We are begging for authenticity in this world. We are begging for someone to show up who has developed their voice and has something to say. And the thing you have to say doesn't have to be the most original. It just has to really be from you. We want a speaker who is like no other. We want someone to show up and tell a story that is so real and visceral that they have to have lived it, have to have experienced it. And that's what developing your voice allows you to do. The mic drop moment was me getting through a lot of the uh, mental health issues I was dealing with. I was diagnosed with severe depression, I have PMDD, so like a lot of really messy things when it comes to interacting with the public and being social. And it was the, the moment when I really came into myself and people were like, damn, I think was when I finally was like, hey, this is part of me and this is this makes up who I am. And it doesn't change who I am, but I just want someone else to know that they don't have to hide if they're going through this because this is who I am. That was Jen Alinacek Brown from episode number four of the Mic Drop Moment. And I think it actually speaks a lot about why we don't develop our voice. We don't develop our voice because it's hard. It takes hard work to think, how do I feel about this? How do I think I feel about this? How am I masking what I feel about this? Meaning, what I really feel is something different than what I think is okay to portray to the outside world, and so I no longer actually know what I feel about this. Those are all things that stop us from developing our voice in the first place. We also don't develop our voice because we've been misled. We've been misled into thinking that if we're honest, if we're vulnerable, if we show up in a way that's messy and unclean and unpopular, that we won't stand out. And the reality is that's the opposite. Isn't it surprising that we look at artists and performers and even public speakers and book writers and we think the people who do the thing that is least obvious, they really stand out. We celebrate people who are different, people like Lady Gaga, who I spoke about in episode three of the Mic Drop Moment with Jackie Huba, where we also talked about drag queens. We celebrate people who are different and stand out. We love celebrities who are different. I mean, earlier I was talking about Alanis Morissette. She stood out in 1995 because she talked about things that women at the time weren't allowed to talk about, weren't able to talk about, and she did. We've been misled into thinking that if we play nice, if we're good little boys and good little girls, that that's going to make our voice resonate. And all it does is strip our voice away from us. It stops us from developing our voice and creating this false voice, this false sense of self. We falsely believe that if we are bland enough, we will be bookable by anybody. We think that if we toe the line that someone else anywhere will be able to book us. We don't want to upset corporate sponsors. We don't want to upset dads or moms. We don't want to upset whoever you don't want to upset. But the reality is all that does is make you easy to ignore. And you don't deserve to be ignored. In fact, it's actually not you that they're ignoring. It's the false voice that you're using that they're ignoring. The real voice, the voice that you need to develop inside, that voice, people are going to love. 
And the last reason, it's scary. That's why we don't develop our voice. It's really scary to think, I'm going to go out into the world with this message. I'm going to go tell this story that I think can help people. I'm going to go share this message in a book. I'm going to go start a podcast. All of those things are scary when you show up as your actual self because, well, what if they don't like you? What if someone makes fun of you? What if you make a misstep and you say the wrong thing and you have to go back and change it later? What if how you felt today isn't how you feel tomorrow? Those are all scary reasons, and they're all just your ego and your fear of not having status. That's what's speaking in that place. It's not your real voice that's speaking. It's that false voice that's trying to keep you safe. And what's really tricky about that is that in an attempt to keep you safe, it actually kind of drowns you out. It makes you uninteresting and and unknowable. And so in an effort to keep you safe, it actually keeps you unknown. It keeps your message from spreading. Those are all dangerous things, but they're big things. So it makes sense that we don't develop our voice when you think of all of that. But it also makes it critical, especially now that we do the work to develop our voice because people are waiting to hear from us. One of the struggles when you create a podcast on your own in your home office is knowing what people think. And so it means a lot to me when someone takes the time to write a review on iTunes. So I thought I'd read some of them as a little way of saying thank you. And you may notice like the holiday theme music in the background. It is holiday time when I'm taping this. And this also feels like a really lovely gift to have received. So this is from Lisa Two, who wrote, Fun-loving, well-produced peek into the life of a speaker. She says, first, thank you for the ear candy of audio quality and production. Well, thanks, Lisa. I like listening to shows that have a little higher, you know, production quality. So it meant a lot to me that I did that here. So thank you for noticing. She goes on to say, fabulous guest too. Your perspective on the speaking business is fresh and spot on. You somehow make a comfortable house for newbies and seasoned speakers alike. You're humbly curious with your guests and you resist the urge to be the expert constantly. You hit just the right blend of host expertise and also letting the guests shine. Bravo. Well, thank you, Lisa, too. That means a lot from Mike, me, Mike 1, Mike 2, Mike 3, I don't know, whatever. I'm Mike 2 because I'm Mike Jr., Mike Ganino Jr., so I'm Mike 2 also. So from Mike 2 to Lisa 2, thank you for taking times to review the show on iTunes. It means a whole bunch to me. So back to developing your voice. How do you start to develop it? I mean, at this point, 25 or six minutes in, you probably realize that developing your voice is a whole lot cooler than finding your voice because you already had the voice. So you might as well start working to develop it. But what do you do? Well, I don't know. Here's some things that have worked for me in the past. One is to free speak on record. So what that means to me is that sometimes we sit down and we start typing or we start writing or we start journaling and it all becomes very heavy. We start sounding... I don't know. It's like Madonna, how she slowly became more British. Sometimes when we try to type out what we want to say, we all become so fancy. It's one of the things that actually happens a lot when I work with someone on their speech is that when they sit down and write a script, when they try to actually deliver it, when they stand up to speak and deliver it, it doesn't sound like them anymore because we write so differently than we speak. 
I do these stage to page weekends where people actually, instead of writing first and then speaking, they speak first and then figure out how to write what they speak. It's you end up sounding much more naturalistic and, and a lot more like you. And if we're in the business of developing our voice, then maybe starting to free speak on record is a way to start. Give yourself a couple prompts and put the headphones in and walk around the neighborhood or the treadmill or the Peloton or whatever you walk on and just record yourself kind of talking freely with some prompts. I mean, you could just Google writing prompts and then use those writing prompts as speaking prompts and then walk around and talk about what you think. That's one way to get started. And it's actually one of my favorite things to do to come up with new ideas and new content. Now, that takes me to the second thing you could do, which is to just start coming up with more micro content. Start showing up more with your opinions and your ideas. If you're too scared to post a video or to show up online at this point, then just show up in other people's comments. Like set up some reminders in LinkedIn about specific kinds of hashtags that you are into. For me, for example, I follow hashtag storytelling, hashtag public speaking, hashtag TEDx, those kinds of things. And it reminds me to go in and pipe in and share my voice. Try to do that more often and don't censor yourself. Actually be you. The only way to develop your voice is to actually use your voice and not to stifle it with that fake version of you that you think is safe and easy. The third thing you can do is write more. I know it sounds weird. It's like, wait, I'm developing my voice so I can speak and now you're telling me to write? Yeah, I'm telling you to write. Sit down and write. Use writing prompts and share that. I love the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And she recommends this whole process of morning pages where you sit down and you just write three pages every day. I actually learned that originally, that kind of thing from Ari Weinzweig from Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He's like my spiritual guru of like so many things. And it all started because of a bakery deli in Ann Arbor. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, you can look him up separately. So why not try that? Sit down and just write whatever's on your mind every morning. Set a timer for 10 minutes or set a limit of three pages and just write whatever comes to mind. Like, Talk about whatever you feel. Be angry. Be happy. Be excited. Be dreamy. Be darky. Be whatever you want to be. But just write for a little bit and see what comes out. One of the other things we can do is to mirror others. Why don't you ask people when they've seen you most fired up, when they've been most excited about what you said, what was it? What are you always talking about emphatically? Ask your friends that. When I was developing the new website at MikeAndNino.com, that's one of the things I did to figure out how to get the brand right. I said, when you've loved working with me, I went to past clients, what was that like? And then we created the brand around that. But the reality is we didn't create the brand around that. The brand existed already. I just hadn't tapped into what people were saying. And so maybe ask some people, when have you been most fired up? What are the things they hear you talking about? And they say, oh, here she comes again. She's going to tell us all about this. That's probably your voice coming out. That's how you develop your voice is digging into that more. Maybe it's writing for a week or a day about different WTF moments you've experienced. One of the things that, that I did when I was working on my book, Company Culture for Dummies, that came out a while ago, I sat down and I said, what are all the WTF moments where I said, what is happening in the world? Because that's where my voice comes out. My voice comes out when I look at things and I say, what is that about? What's happening over there? Why don't people get this? That's probably where your voice lives. So developing your voice might be a practice of set a timer and for 
a week, every single day, write for 10 minutes. And every single day you write about a different moment when you said, WTF, what is going on over there? Because that's probably your voice. And then you can start to develop it. Another exercise I do with folks on weekends where we're doing kind of storytelling weekends and such is to map your life. Actually take a big, huge piece of paper and the day you were born and maybe even like five years before you were born, because like there was stuff going on before you were born that impacted you all the way to today, or even five years in the future from today. If you want to get real dreamy here, plot out all the years and then just plot all the points. Like what were the different things that happened? What were the high points, the lie points, the, the low points, what were all of the different things that happened? Map those out on there and then look at them and say, when were times that my mind was changed? Look at that timeline and say, when were times that my mind was changed? Look at the timeline and say, when were moments when I was transformed, when I transcended in some way? And if you feel like transcended is too woo-woo, all it means is you changed, okay? So just when was the time you changed? Stick to that. Your real voice is going to come out through looking at those moments. What happened during them? What was going on? What did you say? You might actually notice that a lot of those are also your WTF moments because we tend to change drastically when we look at the world and say, what is happening? It's hard to look at the world and say, what is happening? And then stand still and not move. So you'll probably find some of your moments where you can discover your voice happened then. So Those are some of the things that I did to develop my voice so that I could be here on this podcast ranting about resonance, Pinot Noir from Oregon, and how to discover your voice and why you don't need to find it in the first place. It's already there. The real key is about developing your voice. And I promise you this, when you develop your voice, you will become the person that the world can't stop listening to. So go out there and develop your voice, okay? I'll be waiting for you, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And if you don't want to miss a single mic drop moment, I'd sure be honored if you'd hit subscribe to check out past episodes and be ready to catch future ones. So it's time to dial up the volume on your voice, use your story, wake up the world, and find your mic drop moment.